Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. All right, you glad to be here this morning? Um, we're actually a few short weeks away from uh, the ladies leaving for Africa for the missions trip. And uh, what I would like to do, I think the whale's been paid for. Uh, the banana orchard is in. Uh, so they'll be getting some video of all of that and the uh, accomplishment of your money. But uh, I was in prayer the other day and I felt like the Lord really laid it on my heart to see if we could uh, purchase as many suits of clothes for pastors that we possibly can. Uh, I've been over there. We've given them clothes before, and the pastors are just, uh, they give to their flock instead of keeping themselves, and that's in food and everything else. So it's unbelievable the sacrifice the pastors make, and there is no way possible they can afford a shirt, pants, and some shoes. So next week, uh, and for the next few weeks, I'll probably receive an offer, and I want you to pray about that, of investing into that, and everything we take up, we're going to send over there. And our connection over there, of course, is Cyrus Rod. And we're going to see how many pastors he can buy shirt, pants, and shoes. Don't have to be nothing fancy for them guys. But it, you, you just won't, don't understand the tremendous blessing it is to them. So next week, I'll receive an offering for the next few weeks. And we'll see what we can come up with, okay? So be prepared. Grab your Bibles and stand to your feet this morning. We'll deal with a concept called prayer. Defined this morning as judicial administration. We have been uh, actually changing the very culture of this church and the mindset. Uh, uh, and it's been a series of preaching on the Hebrew mindset and how they see things and us uh, uh, trying to get in the true mindset of the writ uh, that the Holy Scripture is written in. Uh, and so we've been slowly, methodically bringing us to the place to where we believe that God is not about to do anything. He's already done it. Can I get a witness? And I believe you're getting a hold of that because it changes your whole aspect of prayer and faith. And I think today is going to take it to the next level uh, uh, of changing your dominion and your success in prayer. So we're titling this prayer, Judicial Administration. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 9, beginning in verse number 15. I hate jumping right in the middle of a thought that the writer is writing, but for the sake of time, we have to do that just to extract some concepts to produce a text to build on. Hebrews, chapter number 9, verse number 15 says, And for this cause, he, talking about Jesus, is the mediator of the New Testament. He's the mediator of the New Testament. Now, we're so religious-minded that sometimes I think we say these words and don't really, they don't click what they represent. Amen? But I want you to, to realize and repeat it after me. A testament is a will. I don't know how many of you have a written will yet. Uh, if you're going to have one. But that's what it means when it says Old Testament and New Testament. It was actually the old will and the new will. The handwritten will of God. His will. Are you catching that? It's very important. 
So Jesus is the mediator of the new will, the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament or will, they which, that they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. He became the mediator to the will that you could become uh, or receive the promise, the promise of your eternal inheritance. 16 says, for where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead. If you got a will right now, it's technically useless to your heirs. You following us? Won't be any good till you die. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead. Otherwise, it has no strength at all while the testator liveth. Turn with me now to Romans chapter number 8, verse number 14. I am about to deal out some information you are not going to want to let get by you. Get a hold of this concept. Romans 8, 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And here's the scripture I love. And if we're children, then we're heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Let's just pray together before you see it. I need you to pray for God to give you spiritual understanding for the natural man will not receive what God has for us today. Father, thank you now for your awesome presence that's already been in this place. Thank you for the spirit of worship and praise. But now we come before you praying that you'll open up our spirits that we may be taught, instructed by the word of the living God. Show us today, Father. Teach us. Let us receive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we spent several weeks dealing with this concept we've been calling now. Now is the language of faith. And we've learned that our Father dwells in an invisible, spiritual, eternal realm. And in this realm, there is no time. Amen? There is no time. That's why it's called eternal, eternity. And in this eternal realm that God dwells in, there is no time, meaning there is no tense for time meaning there is no past, there is no future, if you will. It's all today. In the eternal realm, it's all right now. That's where God dwells. I taught you that out of 2 Corinthians chapter number 2. It says, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. Amen. Uh, and, 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 and the goal is to get you out of a futuristic faith 
into a now faith. Because a futuristic faith is not faith at all. Amen. It's, it's, it's actually uh, Satan has duped the church to believe in a futuristic day. So we're always saying God's going to. God's going to. God's fixing to. That very statement proves that our theology is skewed about the finished work of Jesus Christ. Our doctrine is, 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 is skewed, if you will. Our doctrine is incorrect. And you'll never receive outside of true doctrine. True doctrine is the only thing that can produce faith. Amen. Tell your neighbor, doctrine matters. So you better be careful where you hook up. Because you can live no higher than your doctrine. You can live no higher than what you believe. That's why it's always so dangerous. And you're always growing. You're all supposed to be always going from one level to the next. That's why it's dangerous to judge people that's on a different level than you are. It's dangerous to judge them. Uh, matter of fact, when you get on a level and start judging others, you have just come to the end of your growth. Let me try this out over here. Because when you start judging others, you have just declared, I have reached the apex of Christianity. And now I have him figured out. I have all of his ways figured out. You have just seated yourself in the throne with your God. Mm, mm, mm. I am so tempted to chase that rabbit, but I'm not going to. <laughs> Amen from the bearded fella. So we've been learning by scripture that in the Hebrew mind, which wrote your Bible, amen, we've learned that the father finished his work of creation and sat down in his seat of eternal rest. That's what your Bible teaches. He said the works of the father were finished from the foundation of the world. Your Bible teaches on the seventh day, God did what? Rest. He didn't have to get up again and do anything. Amen. He set everything in motion and everything is finished. Then we see his son show up in the New Testament and your Bible plainly teaches that his son, God finished the work of creation set down. Jesus finished the work of redemption and is set down at the right hand of the Father. Your Bible says it over and over and over. Amen. Just, just Google it. How many times does it say that Jesus is set down at the right hand of the Father? Amen. Come on, I need you to help me now. Look to your neighbor and tell him, tell him he's resting. You never rest until the work is done. Right? Some of y'all need to be taught, get up and do something. <laughs> You're not supposed to rest until the work is done. Rest insinuates it's done. It is finished. So the eternal work of Jesus Christ was finished and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. And what that sums up is too is this. Listen to me. I'm, I'm giving you doctrine. If you don't get this doctrine, it's going to affect how you pray. And if you pray ineffectively, you're going to have ineffective success and results. Okay? What that sums up to is that every promise, every prophecy, every blessing, every healing, Every provision, every deliverance that this book, this will contains has been fully completed, paid for, and granted. That's true doctrine. Amen. God does not have to get up to do anything for you. 
It would, do, it would all be saying that God said, whoops, I missed that one. Wait right here, Jesus. Let me go take care of that. God knows the end of a thing from the beginning. As a matter of fact, your Bible says that Jesus was even crucified before the foundation of the world. It was done in the mind of God. Are y'all listening to me this morning? It was done in the mind of God. So this theology ought to start changing the way you're praying. Let me ask you a question right now. If that is true, if that's the doctrine of the Bible you read, where did we learn to ask God to do something for me? That he has already done. Matter of fact, I challenge you, study your Bible and find one place in the Bible that Jesus asked the Father to do anything for anybody. Matter of fact, your Bible says, here you are worried about clothes and food and this and that. And he says, your father knows you have need of all of that, meaning you don't have to pray for that and ask for that. For if I have to ask for it, it insinuates that God is withholding something that must be manipulated out of his hand. When in reality, he said, you have right to it by sonship. It's just yours by sonship. Mm. We going somewhere this morning. Y'all going to go with me? So he said, everything, every promise, everything in that wheel has been ratified. It's been ratified. It's been legalized. Uh, so the Bible, according to Hebrews chapter number nine, it is the last will and testament of our heavenly father. This book, I want y'all to look at this from this perspective. This book, this Bible is actually a legal binding promissory note. I want to shift your religious mindset to a legal mindset. It is a legal binding promissory note from the father that was ratified by the blood of his own son guaranteed by the word, uh, the blood of his own son. That's why your Bible says the promises of God are. That's why Hebrews says that God, when he got ready to prove to you he was going to do what he said he would do, he raised his right hand and swore by himself in blessing, I'm going to bless you. It is a done deal. Somebody shout, thank you, Jesus. He said, and for this cause, he is the mediator of a New Testament that by the means of death, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also be of necessity the death of the testator. For a testament has no force or power until after men are dead. Otherwise, it has no strength at all while the testator liveth. So a will and a, te uh, a testament establishes the disposal of the testator's estate. Are you following me? I'm going to say that again. A will, it establishes by law the disposal of the testator's estate. It's a legal binding contract that transfers an inheritance to the said Heirs. Somebody shout, that's me. It's legal. It's binding. Amen. And it cannot be broken. It cannot be altered. It cannot be disobeyed by law. 
Wow. Hebrews 9 says, where there is a will and a testament, it is unattainable and it is unaccessible until the testator dies. For a testament has no force. It has no power. It has no strength at all as long as he is alive. He said it has no strength while the testator is still alive, but it becomes powerful after he dies. Now follow me? You're going to get this today. If it takes me all day, you're going to get it. He said it has no strength. It's it, as long as he is alive. But as soon as that testator dies, all of a sudden what was laying dormant comes alive. It, 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 it's legalized. There's a force behind it. It's a legal contract. And anybody who tries to deny you what is yours in the will is breaking the law. Come on now, we're going somewhere with this. Anybody or anything that tries to withhold from you or deny you everything that will said was yours is actually breaking the law. He has become a criminal, punishable by the law. This is what Jesus meant when he held up the cup that Passover night and said, this cup is the New Testament. This cup is is the New Testament. This cup is the wheel. Are you following me? This cup is the new wheel. The old wheel is being done away with. This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do as often as you drink this in remembrance of me. This cup is the New Testament. This cup is the wheel. This cup is your inheritance ratified by the blood that I'm about to shed. So when he died, everything that belonged to the Father became mine. That's what it means to be an heir, right? Everything that belongs to the Father became mine. When Jesus died, everything that belonged to Jesus became mine. So Jesus was saying, every time you drink this cup, let it remind you of your inheritance. Your freedom from bondage is in this cup. Your freedom from bondage is in the will. Your peace of mind is in the will. Oh my God. Your righteousness is in the will. Your holiness is in the will. Your faithfulness is in the will. Uh, come on now. Come on now. We are, usually all we talk about is healing. Amen. But this tells me I inherited the righteousness and the holiness of God. All I got to do is access it. I don't have to struggle to be holy. I don't have to struggle to be righteous anymore. I'm an heir. I'm a child. I'm a son. So I access the holiness of God. I access the righteousness of God. And I'm just cashing in on my inheritance. If you're struggling with holiness and righteousness, it's because you don't realize your position as a son who is an heir. Because Somebody shout, it's in the wheel. Amen. Now here's one for you. Your self-control is in the wheel. Boy, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Amen. Don't come here with, I just can't. I just can't. I just can't. I just cuss. It just cuss. Just cuss. It just comes out of me. Amen. I can't, I can't help it. I just fire that cigarette. Oh, I better quit naming that stuff. Amen. I, I, just, I just can't help it. I just get mad and throw a fit. Amen. I can't help it. I just tell them off. I just give them a piece of my mind. 
Can I give you a word of wisdom from your pastor? You need to quit giving them a piece of my, your mind because you ain't got much left. Because you've given everybody a peep. Amen. Are you sure? Uh, he said, it's in the cup. Your faithfulness, your self-control is in the cup. So now I stand back. I used to be an alcoholic losing my family. Amen. But guess what? When I became born again and realized I was now an heir to the self-control I did not have, now... And when you realize it's just because of my position as a son of God, there's no room for glory. Is anybody in this place? I can't take no credit for my dis discipline. Didn't come out right. I can't take no credit for, for my victory. I can't take no credit. Amen. Are you listening to me? I didn't have nothing to do with this inheritance. I was just born into it. Oh, my God. No wonder we ought to be praising and worshiping God. Amen. Because you didn't have nothing to do with your salvation. You were just born into this thing. You were on your way. I'm going to shout all by myself. You was on your way to hell. But thank God, by the blood of Jesus, you were born in to your inheritance. Woo. My God. Let me tell you what. Your healing is in the wheel. It's in the will. And if anything or anybody is withholding that, they are lawbreakers. You better catch this. That's where we're headed. Judicial administration. They are breaking the law. They are criminals. Criminals. Now, everything ought to be shifting now. Everything ought to be shifting. That you're not trying to wrestle a miracle out of the hand of a loving father. You're trying to wrestle a miracle out of the hand of a thief. You're praying like you're trying to wrestle God to get a miracle out of him. Our, yeah, our prayer is like we got to jump through hoops. We got to stand on one foot, speak in tongues, spin around, quote five scriptures. Amen. Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And when you take them all off, Father, I'll say, okay, I guess. My God, this is just too real. Amen. Your quietness is not disturbing me this morning. Just sit there and be quiet. I'm coming to get you. Hey, man, that we're coming to God, to the Father as some God, if you will, like Josh preached a few weeks back. Amen. Instead of coming to him, realize it's already in the wheel. I ain't got to manipulate the Father to give me anything because he wrote it. Jesus died for it. It was stamped in the blood, and it's already done. All I got to wrestle with is the doubt that's keeping me out of. That's what I got to wrestle with. It's the devil I got to bind. He is a criminal, and I must. Must execute justice on my enemy. Now all of a sudden I've redirected my prayer. Are y'all following me? Now I've redirected the prayer from a begging orphan that's coming to a supreme being trying to pull something out of him. All the time I'm doing that, the devil's sitting over there with my miracle in his pocket. Huh? He said, I got him. I got them. They're waiting on God to do what he's already done, so they're never going to get an answer to a prayer because God can't answer a prayer he's already answered. Amen. So God is setting up our sin. My God, amen. It's not the miracle you need. It's doctrine you need. It's not the miracle. It's the doctrine because true doctrine says it is 
finished. It is done. Amen. And then all of a sudden, amen, when you realize it's yours, you start fighting on a whole new level. You go from being a beggar to a warrior. Oh my God, y'all got to catch that. You go from being a beggar to a warrior and you start shooting arrows in the right direction. Whew. Come on, let's go deeper. Why? Uh, before I get away, just high five your neighbor and tell them it's in the wheel. Go ahead, tell them. Because huh? they're asking for something. They're believing for something. And they've been going out the wrong way. So they need to hear you help me preach. High five again. Tell them it's in the wheel. It's in the wheel. It's in the wheel. Amen. Let me tell you what. Tell them. Tell your other neighbor. It is written. It is written. When, 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 when Jesus went head to head with the devil, he didn't have to turn from the devil and go to the Father. He looked at the devil and said, you know what? It's in the wheel. It's written. It is written. No man shall bow to you. It is written. No man shall tempt the Lord thy God. It is written. I am healed. It is written. I am strong. I am not weak. It is established. And then I'm not running around. Oh, God, give me some strength. Give me some strength today. Give me, God, the devil is a lie. Amen. I start walking around saying, you know what? It's in the wheel. Today I am strong. Oh, God, I found a scripture the other day that I'm just, I'm just glorying over. I ain't even got to preach it there. It says, no one in Zion will say I am sick. Whoa, that's heavy, ain't it? Zion represents the church. God said, when you get doctrine right and you start believing it right, nobody in the body will say, I am sick. Whoa, that's too much right there. Look at your neighbor and say, this is good doctrine. Hey Amen, it's in the wheel. You know what he said? He said, Sister Beth, no weapon formed against you can prosper. So he didn't say that no weapon was going to be formed against you. Are you following me? He said many weapons are going to come against you. But no matter what he shoots at you, sickness, disease, financial, mind, mind game, whatever he shoots at you, amen, you stand up and say, you know what? It's in the wheel. It ain't going to prosper. Amen. You know what it's really saying? Devil, it ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. Amen. Tell your neighbor, it ain't going to work. I don't know what he's doing right now, but it ain't going to work. How do you know it ain't going to work? Because it is written. God, are you getting that? Because God said it won't work. It only works if you embrace it. That's the only way that weapon's going to work against you is if you believe it's working. I'm telling you, y'all have heard me over the last few weeks. I got to where I can't even hardly listen to Christian radio anymore because I'm so sick of hearing beat up Christians call into the radio station. I don't know if I'll make it another day. If it wouldn't have been for that song... I just don't know. Amen. We had to quit testimony services because we took up 30 minutes glorifying our enemy. Y'all pray for me. It's been rough. But I made it here. The devil has been beating on me all day long. God, are y'all listening to me? I'm so sick of hearing mealy mouth whip Christians. And the only reason we're whipped because we got false doctrine. We don't have true doctrine. Amen. You're accepting what he's doing to you. No weapon. Easy. 
Can y'all believe? Can y'all, do, do y'all feel I believe this stuff? Circumstances are always trying to say something else to you. Amen. They're always trying to say something else to you. You got to come back with what God is saying. Amen. You got to come back with what God said. Can we go just a little bit deeper? For you have not received the spirit of, of bondage again to fear, but you have received. Somebody say, have received. Do y'all notice how your Bible is written? Amen. So why are you praying for God to give you the spirit of adoption when this Bible says you have received the spirit of adoption? He can't give you what you already have. So if you're still praying for what you already have, you're stuck. You're stuck. You're stuck. Why don't you stand up and start thanking God? You have not given me a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and a sound mind. Hey, when your mind is trying to go south, you ought to stop and start saying, it's in the wheel. It's in the wheel. It's in the wheel. It's in the wheel. I preached a message on that one time. Wrote a whole book on it. The Spirit itself bears witness to our spirit that we are the children of God. Let me tell you what. Let me just stop right here and give you a little commercial. If you have to wonder if you are saved, you need to get saved. That's going to be the best words of wisdom you ever got. Because my Bible says the Holy Spirit will bear witness that you're a son. If that's a question in your mind. Thank you, ma'am. The lady on the right said you need to settle it. Just moving on. And if children, if children, if you are a child of God. Now remember how you can tell if you're a child of God is if you're being led by the spirit. And the Bible says if you walk in the spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Did y'all put all that together just now? So if you're walking in the spirit, you're not acting a fool. You're not walking in sin because the Holy Spirit cannot sin. And he said, if you're walking in that spirit, you're in. You're a child. You're not a bastard. You're, you're not an orphan. You're a child. And if you're children, then you're automatic heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus. Did y'all catch that? Heirs of God. And I'm a joint heir with Jesus. An heir, amen, you ought to write this down. If you ain't right, if you didn't bring no notebook papers, write it on somebody's britches leg beside you. <laughs> An heir is a possessor. Did y'all catch that? An heir literally boils down to being a possessor. Not, it's, it's actually one who is legally entitled to the property and the rank of another. Legally, legally, you are entitled to this property, God's property. Everything that Jesus owns, you're entitled to. Not, not just entitled to, if you're an heir, means you possess it, which means a lot of people is going to scrape in to heaven, and most of their works are going to be burned up because they're hay and stubble that never access everything you possessed while we was here on earth. Everything that, that, that he's given us. And we just scrape by. And we just, we just struggle by. And we're always in struggle mode. So this scripture says, you're not going to be an heir. You're an heir right 
now. If I'm an heir right now and the testator is done died, not only did he die, he rose on the third day to enforce the will he established. It don't get no better than that. He, he rose to enforce it. So you're not going to be an heir. You are an heir right now if you're a son. If you're a son. If you're a child of God. Colossians 2 and 9 says, 9 and 10 says, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And verse number 10 says, listen to this. And verse number 10 says, and you are, and you are, mm, mm, mm. are y'all able to receive this stuff? Is this doctrine seeking into you? You are, if you're a son, you are complete in him. Now I preached last week, the progressive work of being a son of God. But listen to this. You are complete in Jesus which is the head of all principality and all power. That means he has dominion over all principality and all power. So if you are complete in Christ, how much power do you have over principalities and power? That's scriptural. All power. Meaning he has no power to manipulate me. He has no power to depress me. He has no power to oppress me. He has no power to detour me. Amen. But if I don't realize it, I fall for the weapons that Satan has for me rather than looking him in the eye like David looked at the giant and say, who do you think you are to defy the armies of a living God? Oh my God, am I changing anybody's mindset? Hear me live church. I want this mind out of this church. I want it out of this church. Amen. That we're struggling and surviving until Jesus comes. That's not the church. We have an inheritance to walk in victory. Did I say we were never going to have any problems? Absolutely not. Jesus said in this world, you're going to have tribulations. Amen. But the key is my tribulations don't have me. It don't have my mind. It can't have my peace. It can't have my joy. Why? Because I know what my inheritance is and you can heat the fire up seven times hotter and I'm going to walk right through the fire giving praise and glory to God. You can get the lions as hungry as you want to get them. Are you following me? It's a whole new mindset. I'm going to save a whole lot of you money. I'm going to save you a ton of money on all them volumes and crutches. You know, them habits that keeps us going. Oh, God. Some of you is just food. Some of you is just shopping. Huh? Well, I'm because I'm finding my peace in something else because I don't realize that all power is given unto me and, it's, and, 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 and I don't need power from the outside because I got inheritance on the inside. When you, when you get like this, there ain't no knucklehead can steer you wrong. Ain't no voice can tell you you ain't nothing. You just walk out. You say what you want to say, babe. I'm an heir to God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I am not intimidated. I am not secure. Insecure. My God, are y'all getting this? I want my flock to get this so bad. 
Let's go a little bit deeper. Amen. He said, you are complete in him. Complete means to be fully furnished. It means to be fully equipped. Catch this. Complete means having no deficiency. Perfect. You can't use that word in churches anymore. Perfect. Everybody's preaching you can't be perfect. <laughs> to be complete means to be fully furnished, meaning I'm not lacking anything. You can't throw me in one. This is what scripture saying. You can't throw me in one situation that I don't have something to meet the demands of that situation. No situation can catch me off guard that I am not fully furnished, equipped, empowered to be able to handle it. My God, if this don't build faith in you, I just don't know about you. Huh? So you got to get up in the morning wondering, am I going to make it through the day? Am I going to sin today? Am I going to fall for something today? Am I going to make it today? No, you can get up in the morning quoting this scripture. I am complete in Jesus Christ and I am fully furnished and equipped to handle any situation that comes my way. Death, life, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, nothing can separate me from my love of him. Matter of fact, look at this. I, I don't know where we adopted this new prayer. I don't know what era done this. I don't know if it was in the, you know, in the 20th century, the 19th century. I, I don't know. But it's not scriptural. Paul didn't pray that you would get some stuff. Matter of fact, Paul said, I'm praying for you. Give me, look at Ephesians 1, 16 through 19. Just give it on the screen and stay with me there. Paul said, I cease not to give thanks for you, and I'm making mention of you. Now listen, he's going to say, I'm praying for you, and I'm going to show you how I'm praying for you. I'm praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. I'm praying that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of the calling, which translates, I'm praying that your eyes would be open that you could understand what you can expect out of this great gift. That's what that translates. Hope means expectation. And I'm also praying that you may know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. I'm also praying that you may come to see what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Paul's whole prayer was simply praying that you would come to the realization of what you already have. That's my prayer for this church now. That's my prayer for you. I've been spending extra time in here trying to go over the congregation in which I'm responsible for. Amen. But I don't pray for you like I used to pray because I can't ask God to give you strength anymore. Because that's an indictment against me that I don't believe it's a finished work. So now I'm just praying for you that God would open your eyes to realize how strong you are in Jesus. And you know how, real, how you come to the realization of how strong you are in Jesus? You get to know how strong Jesus is. 
Amen. Faith cometh by. Amen. There's the problem. Amen. If you don't realize how strong Jesus is, you'll not realize how much strength is available to you. Amen. So, so if you look at it from this perspective, you don't need no intervention whatsoever from the outside source. All you need is for your eyes to be open. We're just like the servant of Elisha who was down in the valley and an entire army had come in and passed around about him. And the little servant boy came out and looked and all he seen was the mountains full of the enemy. And he was distressed, he was oppressed, and he had unsaid, this is it, this is the end. Until the man of God came out and looked and he looked at what was already done in the spirit and said, Father, open his eyes that he may see. And when he opened the young boy's eyes, it changed everything. Are you following me? The enemy was still there, but it changed everything. The threat was still there, but it changed everything. So the problem is not the enemy. The problem is your perception of your position in the presence of your enemy. So when you understand this, prayer changes. I got to hurry. I don't want to be long-winded. When you, when you understand this, prayer changes its position from an orphan to a son. And, and listen to this. Romans says the whole creation is groaning and longing and waiting for you to take your position as a son. Oh my God, what a scripture. It's kind of hard to understand and everybody's got a different theology on it, but the gist of it is, it says all of creation is groaning, uh, waiting for you to take your position. The next scripture says, because they were cursed against their own will, amen, and they're cursed against their will. Well, can I tell you, that's every sinner out there, amen? They, didn't, they, they don't desire to be sinners. They don't desire to go to hell, amen? So all of creation, is groaning for you to take your place. For you to take your position as the sons of God. So now, prayer changes from now prayer is enforcing the will. Prayer is now standing in agreement with the will. Will that work? Prayer now becomes judicial instead of religious. Oh, you ought to write that down. Prayer now becomes judicial instead of religious. Meaning now prayer you're using to exercise. Prayer is now a judicial proceeding, if you will, ministering the justice of the Father. That's what prayer is supposed to be. You're supposed to be administering the justice of God in this situation. Jesus went about doing good and administering the justice of the Father. Sickness is an injustice. Are you following me? Disease is an injustice. Bondage is an injustice. Depression is an injustice. Jesus went around administering justice. He never asked a devil to leave. He commanded him to leave. Why? He saw it as an injustice. He never asked anybody to be healed. He saw it as an injustice to the will of the Father, and he executed the justice of God in that situation. Wow. Anything that alters or steals 
My inheritance is an injustice. So if prayer is administering justice, that's why Jesus said, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose, binding and loosening has to do with permitting or prohibiting. He said, when you realize your position of the son, you start praying from a whole new level and you start permitting some stuff, loosing it, permitting some stuff, or you start prohibiting some stuff. If we ever realize who we are as sons and step into this role of judicial order, amen, it's going to change everything. It's going to change everything. It starts changing how you walk every day. It starts changing how you think. That's what doctors are supposed to do. It starts changing your mind. And you start walking in a realm of faith and you start declaring what God is declaring. You start executing justice, and it should stir up a holy indignation to you that anything that's robbing me of my inheritance is my enemy. And he must be dealt with through prayer. Prayer, though, that is not asking or begging, begging for anything, but rather that it's judicial administration. I'm declaring this in my life. Stand with me all over this building. Got a little further to go, but I'm going to stop right there. I want you to leave with that in your spirit. Somebody shout, pure doctrine. Pure doctrine. True faith has to be built on true doctrine. You can't just throw anything out there and hope that it'll work because that's what you've been taught all your life and because that's all that you know. God has given you the spirit of adoption and you are now an heir of the entire inheritance of God. And I can hear by the way people talk that we have not yet come to understand this doctrine when they say, I don't know why God don't do this. That's not theologically correct. See, if you, if you don't know that, it can put you in a place to where you are now becoming the accuser of God. You become the accuser of God. I know you wouldn't just point your finger to faith, but we become the accuser of God in our own heart when we start saying, what? I don't understand why. I don't understand why you don't do this. When in reality, that's false doctrine at the core. The fact is, it's already done. So the problem is, I haven't positioned myself. I haven't recognized how I must exercise judicial authority over this. Number three, and maybe the Lord will lead me next week into that area or next time I preach. He said, an heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a servant, though he be Lord of all. Or maybe it's because I'm still so immature. Oh, it couldn't be my fault. It's got to be God's fault. I'm preaching better since you're standing than when you were sitting. Can you receive this? <laughs> because if I really believe that word, see, we're hypocritical in theology and don't even realize it. The fact that I can allow the enemy to con me into accusing God and wondering why he has it, it puts me in a zone to where I'm not in position to win this battle. But when I come to the realization, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Matter of fact, I'm going to give you this last little illustration story and I'm done. 
Joshua was supposed to take the promised land, right? When he come into leadership, he started marching through the land and they were conquering everything that was before them. They went against one little army named Ai and Ai whipped their tail and sent them running with their tail tucked between their legs. Joshua was so amazed that they lost, he shut everything down and said, we're not taking another step till we find out why we lost that battle. And the reason they lost that battle because they compromised in their house. What if we stopped blaming God and started looking in saying, how come I'm not walking in the authority and the dominion? Are y'all ready for this altar call? How come I'm not exercising the authority and the dominion? And I am finding that there is a place that I can so know the will of God concerning that situation that I can start declaring it by faith. I'm not ready to give y'all some testimonies, but I got some to where I start seeing some things that's already done in the spirit, and that's what I start declaring. But it's a place that even when God says, Paul, that's a little something I'm going to leave. That's a little something I'm going to leave. Because it's for your own good. I can see it, know it, and embrace it and give God glory in it. That's how much he wants you to know it. That's how much he wants you to know. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.